Cleveland Schmooze is sponsored by the Cleveland Jewish News. Get the latest news and information from the Cleveland Jewish News delivered right to your inbox. Choose from breaking news, daily headlines, community life cycle notices, arts, events, highlights, and more with our free e-newsletters. Sign up now at cjn.org slash e-signup. Welcome to Cleveland Schmooze, a bi-weekly podcast about the people who make up Jewish Cleveland. We're your hosts back for season three. I'm Rachel Rude. And I'm Robin Rude. This week, we're talking to Dr. Isaac Kirstein, Dean of the Cleveland campus of Ohio University's Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine. He tells us about his path to becoming Dean and how his Jewish upbringing impacts his outlook as a medical professional. We sat down with Dr. Kirstein at his office in Warrensville Heights. Dr. Isaac Kirstein, thank you so much for joining us for Cleveland Schmitz. Thank you for asking me. So we start every podcast where we ask people a little bit about their Jewish background. So where'd you grow up? How did you grow up in terms of your Jewish faith? Yeah, I grew up in actually in the New York suburbs, uh, Westchester County, uh, first in Tuckahoe, then in the Scarsdale, Nurshell area, uh, growing up uh, in a a uh, very traditional classical reform synagogue where I was bar mitzvahed. Free synagogue of Westchester. It's not around that anymore. Hmm. Yeah, I think a very traditional uh, background. Mostly high holiday Jews as I remember it uh, mm-hmm. uh, going back, uh, but certainly a Jewish upbringing. Um, my father actually passed away when I was only six years old. Oh, um, and so that also has the memory of you know the funerals and everything from a very early age before my bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that synagogue, um, and then my mom uh, remarried, and he was at uh, the conservative synagogue in Rochelle Bethel. So for a while, I was going to both, and I think I still that that probably left a mark on me because I still wind up going to whatever synagogue is. Uh, you know, I, I can switch back and forth between the different synagogues. I, mm-hmm. I'm pretty flexible. Do you remember like any traditions growing up? that like lots an impact on you or even as you were saying about your father's death like sitting shiva at that age not at that age you know i think for me at, at that age uh i can remember every rosh hashanah meal um i can remember you know the family coming over for for the holidays i can remember hanukkah gifts um but uh uh, as I, grew, I think I really embraced it as I grew older. There were definitely different chapters in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and Judaism uh, in each chapter actually, probably I was like going up a step each time mm-hmm. in my observance. Um, and uh, to where I am now, which is probably the most observant I've ever been in my life. Really? So what do you think led to that increase in observance for you? Well, it's life, you know. Um, so I, I never really understood uh, the value of it. I, I went to uh, undergraduate in Wisconsin from New York to you know, UW-Madison and um, actually did a very secular <laughs> version of Madison. I didn't go to Hillel. I didn't do mm-hmm. anything. I didn't go to the typical Jewish like housing uh, that kids from out east would go to and, mm-hmm. and hung out with Wisconsinites. You know, from and, did a, uh, and so I really wasn't engaged with it um, then. Uh, I think the first thing that really hit me as an adult, uh, this is going to get probably pretty sad, but my second father also passed away hmm. uh, uh, after I finished college. Uh, and um, that was the first time I really experienced as an adult, young adult, mm-hmm. uh, Shiva. Yeah. And 
it was my stepbrother, Bruce, who kind of grabbed me by the back of my collar and said, it's time to pray. Like, you know, we did Shiva, but then it was, it's time for this morning prayer. And I didn't even know what he meant. And for the week uh, while we were together, he took me to Bethel, uh, to the minion there. I didn't know any of the prayers. I didn't understand really Shachrit. I didn't understand, I wasn't that observant at the time. Um, but as we resurfaced from my father's Shiva, it made a lot of sense to me. Everything from hanging curtains on the mirrors to sitting around not worrying about shaving and how you look and then understanding going to a morning minion, I would go like once a week for the year, but having a support group, everything made sense. And that was the first time as an adult I thought there was something more to do this. So it's funny, when you, you know, I think about my bar mitzvah, I think about all the Jewish memories, and I have all of them, and they're warm. Mm -hmm. But when I think about really embracing the observance, it wasn't until I was, my goodness, how old? 21, 22. So what favorite tradition do you have that you bring to your family from your past? I mean, I, most families did Rosh Hashanah, Passover. Yeah, I, you know, this is... <laughs> I, I think I just bring the Ruach. Um, I, mm -hmm. There were no specific things. We weren't very observant. So it really was just family getting together and the importance of family being together. Mm -hmm. And I think that is maybe not a very inherently Jewish answer, but it maybe is the is most there a Jewish food answer. That, you, that always <laughs> showed up at holiday time? <laughs> you know, my mom makes a mean brisket. Um, there you go. I'm a vegan now. Uh, but <laughs> and so I don't eat it. My kids love. Nana's brisket recipe. Don't get me wrong. And well, I, I we remake you it can for substitute. There's uh, plenty of substitute yeah, yeah, meats no, no. now. And, uh, no, I mean, I, I think that um, you know all, all all the foods are there, and uh, I guess I, I think back on my childhood, and, and sure, I think a part of my past is why my you know losing a couple of fathers makes you look at things a little differently. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, is that what made you become a physician? <laughs> No, I, I became a physician, I mean, yes, but I became a physician really because from the earliest memory I have of my first father, he, he, he said, you're going to be a doctor. Really? <laughs> and, and got, I mean, I, rem and I remember the Fisher-Price doctor kit with a little plastic oh, stethoscope. Sure. Um, and I remember also, you know, even there was a family business, there were, we were a food brokerage, we, that uh, the, the, my ancestors, uh, food brokerage in the Bronx and, and, and Westchester. And, and um, it was always clear as I was getting older, too. You know, we sold fish so you could go to medical school. Wow. <laughs> Tell us about your Jewish life in Cleveland today. Well, was, you know, moving from Chicago, uh, it, it was uh, kind of upending for our whole family. Uh, uh, my boys were only in, uh, two boys, and they were in, uh, how old were they? My goodness, they were in third grade and uh, fifth grade uh, when, when, when we moved. Uh, and so I really uh, was very happy with how warm and welcoming the Jewish community in Cleveland was. I moved from the south side of Chicago. There was a very tight south side Hyde Park Jewish community, uh, mm. and it was a wonderfully tight-knit uh, community. Um, but uh, really, uh, Cleveland was a bigger community, but just as tight-knit, and it was wonderful. And uh, we found uh, uh, our Jewish home at Shari Tikva, uh, uh, where just everybody, just it very much felt like our, our community in, in, in Chicago, a little, a little smaller uh, and very tight and, and warm, welcoming, 
and was uh, happy to uh, to join with them. And that's where both of my boys uh, got their bar mitzvah, and we brought family in from you know everywhere, and they got to to see what Jewish Cleveland was like. So, in your decision to become a doctor, you would say that that was more of your father's decision for you, or did you have a, a love of it yourself? Oh, I absolutely love it. You don't do this without a, a really, with a drive, mm-hmm. an inherent love yourself. I think that um, uh, I, I always was just fascinated by the science of it and, and by the challenge of it. And, and um, I remember even as a teen, I was in the Boy Scouts and I always got all the first aid merit badges and, uh, you know, we hung out with the um, the paramedics uh, in mm-hmm. our volunteer fire departments, and uh, so I think I always had that 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 calling and that bug. Did you know that you wanted to go the DO route rather than MD? No, I didn't know what DOs were mm-hmm. uh, when I first applied. Uh, when I uh, applied the first time to medical school, I didn't get in. It was right when my second father passed away, also. Mm-hmm. And he had a tough go of it. And uh, I had a mentor. I was in a research lab in Wisconsin. He was an MD, gastro, pediatric gastroenterologist. And um, I was in the lab, and it was a couple of months after my father passed. And uh, so, he, but he came in and he said, "You're reapplying, right?" And uh, I said, no, "I don't. I am not sure anymore. I, I really mm. am not too happy the way things went." And I said, "You know, I." At the time, my father uh, was in experimental protocols for chemotherapy and all this stuff. But but I remember us saying to him, they treated him like a bunch of cells, not a person. Mm. And this mentor said, you sound like a DO. <laughs> and I said, what's a DO? Um, and about two weeks later, I was applying to DO schools. And the next mm. year, I started at uh, the osteopathic school in Chicago. Wow, mm. nice. When you subscribe to the Cleveland Jewish News, you receive 52 issues of the award-winning CJN and 15 total magazines, including J-Style, Canvas, and Balanced Family. Try the Cleveland Jewish News for free. Start your six-week free trial at cjn.org slash six free. Can you explain a little bit, like, what is the difference for people who might not know, like you didn't know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, osteopathic medicine is, uh, is there two fully licensed uh, uh, branches of medicine in the United States. Everybody knows MDs, and a lot of people have DOs and may not even know it. Um, osteopathic physicians have been around a little over 100 years, was created by an osteopathic physician. Um, in Missouri. Uh, so it is a, an American-born branch of medicine. And it is founded on the basic tenets that the body has the inherent uh, ability to heal itself. Uh, and that structure and function is related. That means if, if you know, if, if you, as long as you're built straight and everything is where it's supposed to be, you'll be at the highest function um, that, that you can uh, be. Um, and that, that the body is a whole, that, that you can't look at any single part of the body or the spirit, you know, uh, and without considering everything as a whole. And, and that's what drives um, what we are. We, we say anybody can find disease. It's, you know, the challenge is really to lead people back to health. Uh, and so, so that really is a philosophy uh, that's much different. Uh, and that, that we get virtually every minute of training an MD gets, and then we get 200 additional hours of training in osteopathic philosophy and manipulative mm-hmm. medicine. So we use our hands to help us diagnose. That's the structure part, just to make sure that everything is structured appropriately and, and to help us diagnose and treat patients um, and um, to treat them like the whole person that they are. 
Um, and, uh, and osteopathic medicine has been, in Ohio, uh, has had a very rich history. Ohio is one of the, the bastions of osteopathic medicine. It's not that way all over the country. Hmm. That's really interesting, especially here in a healthcare hub mm -hmm. um, city like ourselves. And you've been the dean of the Cleveland campus of the medical school at OU mm -hmm. since how long? Five years now. Wow. A little over five years, yeah. Uh, we, Did you ever picture yourself as a dean? I mean, you ever thought that was going to be in your path? No. <laughs> no, I don't know, you know, and, and uh, <laughs> I check the heads of people who really had that. I think it's um, it's a great job. I, I, I joke. Um, I, I never thought I'd get this far in academia. I, and I actually took a break from academia and went into some other things. And, and, it, and life just kind of leads you. Um, and... Um, but this is, I never thought I'd be where I am now. And this is a really ideal position. It's really fun working for an osteopathic school that has a really straight up mission for Ohio. That's really easy uh, for everybody to understand. We, we want to train doctors who are going to stay in Ohio. Mm -hmm. uh, we emphasize primary care uh, and we really just want to take care of the communities we serve, especially underserved communities. That's it. It's the elevator pitch. It's a really easy mission, um, one to get behind. Uh, and it's one that all the big health systems in Ohio need as well. And so to be able to be in an institution that has such a straight up mission that I believe in and that affiliates and partners with Cleveland Clinic, um, right without changing who we are, Cleveland Clinic came to us because of who we are. Um, uh, it, it was a really a unique opportunity that moved me here. DOs tend to go towards primary care mm -hmm. positions more because of the philosophy? Yes. Uh, right now, nationally, about half of all DOs are, are a little more than, of all the new DOs coming out are, are going into primary care uh, specialties. About 65, about two-thirds almost are, are in the primary care uh, areas. And, and I think that is the philosophy that does that. You know, other schools have a 5% 10% that go into primary care. It's not uncommon for some of these schools. Hmm. Uh, so that, that is a real differentiator for us. So how many years, how many graduations of doctors have the Cleveland campus had? One. One. Yes, we had the honor of graduating our, our inaugural class in May. Oh, so, nice. Which was, which was so incredible. do you keep track on where the uh, graduates go? Are they mostly, they do stay in Ohio? They go someplace else? Yeah, well, actually, so we, we, of course, we track every place where they go, and, and the vast majority are doing residencies in Ohio. The ultimate measure, though, I, I, I don't mind if people want to go someplace else to do residency. The metric mm -hmm. for us is actually that they come back to practice. Mm -hmm. So if they can get really good training in Chicago, great. But just, you know, come on back. And then our secret sauce there is really um, we, we recruit uh, from the area. So, um, you know, 80 of that first class uh, that we recruited, 85% uh, of them were from Northeast Ohio. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and 90, you know, most 95% uh, of our classes are in state anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so I always, you know, I think I used the line on you guys as well. And uh, when your daughter came here, which is, you know, I would say with the parents, I said, we got to work together for me to meet my mission we got to keep your child here in Ohio when they come back. We want to. We, we all want to work on the same thing. Keep I them close. I already have a practice for her to go to. <laughs> she's she's happy to go, <laughs> and so are some of her friends, <laughs> which would be lovely. So we talked about the osteopathic philosophy, 
But there's also Jewish philosophies that fit very well with being a doctor, which is tikkun olam, to save a life is just one of the most important. That's how your father doesn't have to go to synagogue. <laughs> <laughs> Rabbi Weiss has said, eh, he saves lives. <laughs> he doesn't have to go. Do you find that you're drawing from your Jewish faith in your profession at all? Yeah, I do. I, I think it's actually, tikkun olam is interesting because we're, yeah, we're healing a fractured world, but I actually, I think I'm more driven by B'Tselem Elohim, you know, to see the image in every patient um, that we see. Heschel had a great, I think oh, I might be misquoting already, I think it was Heschel, I think it was Heschel. <laughs> um, uh, but, but in bowing at the patient, that, that Hashem was above every patient, you know, floating above, there's just an image uh, of Hashem above every patient. I think it was Heschel who said that. Um, and um, and I think that's it. I think that no matter how complex and high stress and challenging emotionally and, and everything that medicine can be, uh, it is at its best uh, when when you look at the patient as that as, as um, it's and uh, in every set of eyes I see everyone. I, I see my children. I see my mother. I see somebody's mother. I see. And, 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 and so it's very connecting. I think it's that moment that there's a very natural tendency in medicine because it's so hard emotionally sometimes to separate. And I think everybody wants that physician who feel they feel connected to. Um, and so that connection uh, is that we know a physician who is connected to us. You can call it bedside manner, you can call it what you want, but it's somebody who has that emotional empathy uh, and but truly feel like they are spiritually in a room with you. That's what's up with my So I thought I heard at some point in time that you work with the Warrensville school system mm -hmm. and you do some kind of an educational program. Could you talk to us about what you do? Yeah, this is this is our aspiring doctors program, uh, doctors with a capital D, capital O. Uh, nice. <laughs> uh, and um, it was really the the brainchild. I, I when I first opened, I said we you know the high schools across the street from our campus, right. uh, and a middle school, and those oh, they just closed the elementary school. It was right on the other side of this parking lot. So we had the students here, and and these are distressed schools. Um, you know, this is not Shaker, this is not Beachwood, Warrensville Heights has you know has just been cruising at the D rating from the state and it's a financially distressed school and it needs help so i knew that when we were first opening the campus here we needed to have some impact on this on the school system here whatever we could do um i tasked um uh, tara and Debizu, who's our senior director here and she's at warrensville heights high school alum mm. and i said what can we do i said there's there's students here Let's think about what we can do to, as an enrichment program. I really gave no parameters except to say that um, my hope would be someday that we could let students know that um, there's a medical school, a shining new medical school on Warrensville and Harvard, and they can come here someday. It's possible. And there are people mm -hmm. here that look like them, uh, and, um, and we want them. Mm -hmm. And just to know that they can do this, and we want them to come here someday. That was the parameter I gave um, Tara. Uh, my, uh, I have an outreach director, Sam, Samantha Baker. The two of them came up with basically what is a grade 10, 11, and 12 STEM enrichment program where uh, we have students from Warrensville schools and some from the Cleveland City schools 
uh, who come in on a periodic basis, three three times, four times a year over the 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade. Mm -hmm. And we have increasing exposure to, they get to die, you know, they get to go to the anatomy lab and see what a sheep's heart looks like and dissect a sheep's heart. They get to do some of our work with simulators, but they get mentors and they can eat lunch with medical students. Our faculty volunteer, all of our staff help out. Um, and so when the students come, it is just a day to really show them what, what what's possible. As they get through their senior year, we give them some leadership training. We give them help with college applications. Nice. We get some financial support for some, you know, local, it all adds up, small little micro grants, but it adds mm -hmm. up to really uh, other communities that want, other uh, donors in the community who want to help uh, do this. And uh, just the right thing to do. Uh, and it's been great. Uh, some of these days we'll have 30, 40 students here and the whole place is Do you ever buzzing. get to meet their families? Do you I, have like an open house or something? You no, know, we meet them at graduation. So oh, we try oh, to okay. go, especially to the Warrensville um, Heights. We give them certificates of completion and they have a, a an award, um, kind of an award ceremony right before graduation okay. at Warrensville specifically. And we'll go and they let us present quickly some oh, um, papers nice. and things like that. And sometimes there's some checks. Uh, some of the local foundations will give them, if they get into college, they all get into college, which is great. Right. I can't take credit for that, our, no, no, our no. program, but, uh, right. but uh, it, it, it's great. How long has the program been around? Uh, three years now. Mm -hmm. So what's that in like? A couple more years they could be applying here yeah yeah <laughs> no i'd love to get them um, uh, is there some kind of a track i wish there was and that's a great question i've actually challenged i think cleveland OU state did something with lecom perhaps no no cleveland state did something with neomed oh neomed i'm sorry and, i got the confused uh, yeah uh, and but that is a a post uh, that's a different kind of program it's not going oh. into they do stuff in the high schools also nice they have a nice program, and their partners in urban health is that that program is is wonderful, um, and we actually collaborate on uh, with that program on, on some things in the community and with our students, um, and uh, actually take some of so they have a bunch of students in that program who had trouble getting into medical school, and we the bunch, they a lot of them come to us uh, after they they do their post back up they have a post back laureate program at the Cleveland State program and come to us, um, but. You know, I would I would love to create a program where if they do really well that we can get them into OU's main campus at Athens for four years. Oh right. And then and then we already have existing programs where we can fast track them into medical school. I see. That would be really great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking with us. It was a pleasure. Well, thank you. I appreciate the schmooze. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Cleveland Schmooze, a podcast produced by Rachel and Robin Rood. Tune in every other Friday to get the latest episode in your podcast feed. You can also find an archive of our episodes at our website, clevelandschmooze.com. And feel free to share any comments or suggestions to our email, clevelandschmooze at gmail.com. That's schmooze spelled C-A-S-C-H. <laughs> That's schmooze spelled schmooze. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>